Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of the Act, Protect, Engage podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Chase H. I figured I would give you guys something mellow today. Relaxing. I know it's early in the week, so we need to just chill out and try to get through the rest of the week. Make it to the weekend. All right. I appreciate you guys. I really do. Thank you to all of our listeners, both domestically and internationally. If you guys can, please turn on your post notifications. If you do and you're hanging out with your dog or your cat and you hear a bing and you look at your phone and you see a banner on the top of your smartphone and it says a.p.e academy podcast, that means that we just released a new episode. All right? So you're never going to miss an episode. If you have a few minutes, please rate our podcast and review it if you can that would be even better because that helps us out it helps us rise in the rankings and it also helps us reach a wider audience okay got it all right so today we're talking about race what is race that's the title pretty simple what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to establish the fact that race is our creation as humans we created the separations that we're now complaining about today so when people are on the news complaining and and talking about they're trying to divide us we did it to ourselves there's no they who is they it's us because guess what nature didn't race is not biological it is a uh, production it is a product of culture And it is a human creation, okay? And I personally believe, my thesis is, my my belief is that race as subcategories of humanity was specifically designed to keep certain power structures in place, to keep wealth and power restricted and held onto by certain groups over the other groups. Now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be black over white. It could be anything. Whoever has the power writes the narrative. Whoever has the power determines history, determines how others are treated. So anyone who looks different than you, who isn't you and part of your group, and you have the power, guess what? You want to hold on to it. So they're different. Those people are different. Those people are inferior. We're smarter. It is a human evil. So what I would argue is, for instance, I did all these episodes, these past episodes on critical race theory. I would argue that since race is a biological lie, it doesn't exist exist in nature, at least for humanity, that is even more important to study the impact of race within our society. Because guess what? We created it. If we don't study our own creations, how do we get better? How do we learn from the past? How do we avoid repeating the mistakes that our fathers and our grandfathers made? We have to study the impact of racial inequality that we created for ourselves against ourselves. Because we're all Americans. Well, Shout out to my international listeners, but I'm talking about American history right now and the fight in America over critical race theory, 
class uh, class warfare, etc. All right, we're gonna try to trace it, but first, what I have to show is that there is no such thing as race in nature. Okay, I have to show that first, and then I can move on with the second part of my argument. All right, I hope that was uh easy to understand it might not have been but all right so we're gonna do some definitions first because guess what i'm not gonna throw anyone into the ocean without a life raft or a life vest i know i need one because when i first started researching for this podcast i haven't taken a science class since like 2007 2006 so i had to refresh a lot of stuff and you know in high school i loved biology as a kid I was a animal expert. I think a lot of kids love animals, but I took it a little too far. Like I would read everything about animals. Uh, I had a book, I think it was a magazine. Was it a magazine? I think it was like a weekly or monthly magazine called Zoo Books. They would come and it would have all these cool pictures of different animals and all these cool facts. And when my parents would take me to the uh, zoo, I would impress everyone with all my cool facts. I would just lit, uh, you know, go down a list of all these facts I had in my head. So it kind of re-sparked my interest in science because, you know, once you get older and you you realize that you're, maybe you're not as good as, as science as you think you are. Like when I went to University of Virginia and these biology classes were really hard. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to change. So I changed over to uh, English and then I got uh, disillusioned by English. And then finally I settled on a history major and a religious studies major. So when I researched this, I was like, oh, science is pretty cool when you can study it on your terms, right? <laughs> All right, so we got a few sources. The myth of race, the troubling persistence of an unscientific idea by Mr. Robert W. Sussman, Superior by Angela Sani, Population Genetics and Microevolutionary Theory by Alan R. Templeton, Understanding Evolution and an Introduction of Evolution. The University of California at Berkeley. And then, last but not least, what is a gene? And that is found on the National Library of Medicine's website. Okay. So let's go over some definitions. Let's define some terms real quick before we jump into deep end. Anthropology. So anthropology is the scientific study of humanity concerned with human behavior, human biology, cultures, society and linguistics in both the present and the past including past human species physical anthropology that is a branch of anthropology concerned with the study of human biology and physiology characteristics and their development okay evolution biological evolution is quote descent with inherited modification just that simple. Let's not make it rocket science. Microevolution, a change in gene frequency within a population. Evolution at this scale, it can be observed over short periods of time. For example, between one generation to the next. So let's say for three generations, everyone on your mother's side had brown eyes, right? Then all of a sudden, someone with blue eyes pops out, right? So that's what microevolution is, right? A chain from one generation to the next. A gene. A gene is the basic physical and functional unit 
of heredity. Genes are made up of DNA. Some genes act, act as instructions to make molecules, which are called proteins. In humans, genes vary in size from a few hundred DNA bases to more than two million bases. Fun fact, the Human, the human Genome Project, I think you guys have probably heard of it, they have attempted to kind of map the entire human genome. They have estimated that humans have between 20,000 and 25,000 genes. <laughs> Incredible. Unbelievable. DNA, the hereditary material in humans and almost all other organisms. Nearly every cell in a person's body has the same DNA. Most DNA is in the cell nucleus, right, which is in the center of the cell. But a small amount can be found in the mitochondria. So mitochondria are structured in a cell. And what they do is they convert the energy that you eat from food or you drink into a form that the cells can actually use. So when you eat chicken, you eat it, it enters your body, eventually it gets absorbed. The cells then take whatever they can, the energy from that protein, from that chicken, and they, they absorb it and then they kind of use it as energy to keep your body moving, right? To keep your organs uh, functioning, to keep your blood flowing, to keep your heart beating. Make sense? All right, so what makes us different, okay? What makes us different, guys? If we are all the same genetically, then why are we so different? Differences in physical and behavior characteristics of humanity have been noted since ancient times. Scholars from ancient empires like Rome, Greece, Egypt, and the Chinese dynasties have commented on the various distinctions among languages, customs, skin colors, and habits of people. That is a natural thing, and that has happened since the beginning of time. You ever notice how you walk into Walmart and you're like, okay, that guy's short. Oh, that guy's really tall. Oh, whoa, that guy's got muscles. Oh, wow, that lady has red hair, right? We're just natural. That's what humans do. We just notice differences very, very quickly. It, but, however, in history, right, it was not until the European voyages of exploration, conquest, and economic expansion that something along the lines of the modern classifications of race began to develop. So it wasn't until Europeans started to leave the continent, started to break free of the continent, explore the different areas of the world for trade, right, missionary work just to kind of chart the earth that's when you started to see the races start coming about the europeans were obsessed with categorizing things they always wanted to put stuff in boxes in categories so that's when you start to see it broken down what exactly is race well i'm happy you asked that <laughs> from a strictly scientific perspective humanity cannot and should not be divided by race. No way. Now, if you're going off of strict science, nah, we're not, we are not multiple races. We are pretty much one race. Why many, what many people don't realize is that the racial classification that we have today, that we have commonly accepted in our society today, are not actually based in scientific or biological reality. The science behind race disqualifies humans from even attempting to classify each other and put each other into racial categories. So I'm sure scientists are like, oh my God, like why do they keep talking about different races? It doesn't even exist. It's so silly. 
Race, therefore, is a strictly social construct. I argue that it's social and that it's cultural. And what I'm arguing is, you know, I have a little thesis in my head that I'm thinking about is, you know, the reason why I'm doing these podcasts, especially this one about race today and kind of defining it scientifically, is I'm trying to defend our acknowledgement in our study of race in America on all levels, education, uh, just in justice system, in science, in, you know, in all areas of life, in the political realm, because if race is not defined by nature, then that means that something else has to define it. And guess who that something else is? Us. So when you hear on Fox News or you hear on whatever, you know, conservative news station. I say conservative because I listen to both. They are really the ones that are talking about they are dividing us. They are trying to divide us. They are trying to sow seeds of division. Who is they? We are they. And we are divided. We've been divided by race since the first voyage, the first uh, ship set sail from Europe, from Portugal, from Spain. They've been dividing people. So don't try to say these people are trying to divide us. No, 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 no. We've been divided. And it's our duty as responsible citizens to understand what has caused this, how we gotten here, right? The first thing we need to understand is the science behind it. Because if we don't understand the science, then we don't really understand the depth that this goes. Because it's much deeper than just, oh, he's black, he's white. No. Within the systems of this country, people are created, are created, are treated differently. And you can go back throughout time. You can start with the natives. You can go to the Chinese, to the enslaved Africans, to the Japanese, to the Jews. You can go on and on and on and on. And we, what I want to do on this podcast is kind of dig deeper. Let's dig a little deeper. All right, ran over. Okay. So that's my thesis. Race is strictly social and cultural. It's a human creation. Anthropologists have shown for decades, for years, that there is no actual biological reality to what is known as human race. There are no major complex behaviors that can be directly linked to what might be considered human racial characteristics. Zero. No major complex, complex behaviors. According to Richard W. Sussman in his book, The Myth of Race, The Troubling Persistence of an Unscientific Idea, quote, there is no inherent relationship between intelligence, law-abidingness, or economic practices and race, just as there is no relationship between nose size, height, blood group, or skin color, and any set of complex human behaviors, end quote. Many people will probably ask as they listen to this podcast, right? Okay, so if there's no such thing as race on a biological level, then how in the heck have we been deceived for so long, right? How are we so divided? We are more divided in 2022, arguably, than any point in American history. How did that happen? Well, what we're going to do over the scope of the next few podcast episodes is try to dig this up, try to understand a little bit how we got here. All right. How did we get here? We didn't start off this way. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the effect of categorization. How did 
these racial categories come about and how did certain groups of people keep power from others? I'm not talking about black over white. It could be anyone. Whoever has the power makes the rules. Whoever has the power writes history. They determine what the history of their country is, whether it be uh, communists in Russia or China or Vietnam or ethnic cleansing and genocide in Rwanda, right? It could be anywhere. It's human division that has created these problems. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast because I love research, researching for it. And I hope that you guys learn as much as I did, at least something, at least a little bit of info. Okay, so let's talk about first, what is race? Okay. Traits considered to be racial are actually distributed independently and they differ depending on various environmental and behavior factors, okay? These traits are distinct and are not simple. For the quote, for the most part, each trait has a distinct distribution from other traits. And these traits are rarely determined by a single genetic factor. That's a quote from Sussman. This type of distribution of a biological trait is called a cline. C-L-I-N-E. An example of a cline is skin color. Skin color is related to the amount of solar radiation absorbed by the skin, which depends heavily on climate. Dark skin is found in hot areas of the globe, right? Obviously, right? Like Africa, India, and Australia. However, right? However, despite the similarities in skin color between people in Africa, let's say, and aboriginal tribes in Australia, right? Despite the similarities in skin color, different genetic traits will guarantee with 100% certainty that the people in those two regions share few other characteristics, right? So just because we both have brown skin doesn't mean we're anything alike genetically, okay? Genetically, the dark skin is passed on in wildly different ways. Quote, the genetic pathways to dark skin are different in Tamil Nadu and in Nigeria. Genetic traits usually do not correlate with one another and are not distributed in the same way, in the same place, or in the same way over time. Does that make sense? So, what Sussman is saying in his book is that if, let's say, you know, let's talk about me, for instance. I have, like, brown skin, right? I have pretty, you know, darker brown skin. If I meet an Indian gentleman who has skin darker than me or around the same color, right, we might have both had a similar skin color, but that is all that's in common with us genetically. So you can't say, okay, these two people are brown people. They probably had similar genes. No, the way we got that skin color is genetically wildly different. Even within community, let's say me and my cousin, right? Or one of my friends who's also African-American. Let's say me and one of my friends, we both have the same color. Just because we're both the same color and we're both considered, quote, African-American does not mean we are genetically linked or similar in any way. It's just happened that the skin is color is similar. But the genetic component of that could be completely different. Okay? 
the populate the popular understanding of race is something that is supposed to tell us about our genetic history who is related to whom how did populations evolve over time and how isolated were they in the past to understand how race is not biological we need to define some terms right some more terms species in biology a species is defined as a population of individuals who can mate and have viable offspring offspring who are also successful at reproducing so the formation of a new species usually occurs very slowly over periods of time richard sussman describes the exchange of genes within a species as this quote for example many species have a widespread geographic distribution with ranges that include ecologically diverse regions if these regions are large in relationship to the average distance of migration of individuals within the species there will be more mating and thus more exchange of genes within than within than than without regions right put simply it is easier to mate within a species when a within a smaller region we will find that there's more mating between animals that are closer to each other than further away so if you'll see more mating between two leopards in Kenya than you would a leopard in Kenya and a leopard in South Africa they're the same species but the leopards in Kenya are a lot closer right so there'll be more mating between that group i mean it's possible that a leopard from South Africa could, could mate with a leopard from Kenya but it's more likely that the ones in the same area will mate and so that's what that's basically saying over long stretches of time tens of thousands of years eventually differences evolve between distant populations of the same species some of these variations would be related to adoptions adaptions to ecological differences with geographical ranges of each population while others might be random okay so for instance i use example of a snow leopard and an african leopard over long stretches of time and between populations that are very distant from each other there might variations might occur now a snow leopard is adapted to his environment in the himalayas they're in the same family the same species but these differences have become more and more noticeable over time and across distance okay and we're talking vast geographical ranges okay within each population over time if there is little or no mating or genetic exchange that occurs between the two distant populations snow leopard african leopard genetic differences will increase eventually over tens of thousands of years of separation if little or no mating takes place between separate populations the differences in genetic makeup will be so vast that mating will become no longer possible between them they will no longer be able to produce viable offspring hence they will they will be categorized as two separate species this is called the process of speciation however there's always a however in science right it is important to note that all these things can happen and speciation might not occur so i use the example of the snow leopard again they're the same species and their differences between the snow leopard and african leopard they have a lot of differences but they're not enough where they're two completely different species okay there's still 
leopards. Okay? There's still leopards, but for instance, you know, for this example, they match all this criteria. They're far away apart. They don't make that often. They're in totally different climates and environments, yet they're still the same species. So it's not guaranteed that that will happen. So what I'm trying to prove by saying this is that the same thing happened with humans. People migrated into China. There are also people in South America. They're far apart. They never mate. They're in vastly different temperatures and environments. Yet, the only the only way they can become Chinese people and South American people can become different races altogether is if they become a different species to the point where they can no longer mate and make offspring. And we all know with the amount of interracial marriages there are today, we can definitely still mate with each other depending, no matter how different we are, right? So we haven't gotten to the point where our differences are so extreme genetically that we can't mate and make kids. So even though myself and the Indian gentleman that I met earlier in the podcast, we might be different genetically, we're not different enough to be different race, to be different races. I hope this makes sense. Okay. Speciation happens at a snail's pace. In the meanwhile, there are other intermediate stages of development. As species go through the process of, of speciation, they would show genetic and morphological variation due to a buildup of genetic differences. And this is due to the distance and different environments they inhabit. However, despite these genetic differences, they may still be able to successfully reproduce together. So when they're going through this process uh, called differentiation, I said speciation, I apologize. The process is called differentiation. When they go through this process of differentiation, right, which is along the way towards speciation, okay? So differentiation is when these differences start being really, really obvious within the species. Like one is a different color, like the snow leopard. One is gray and has blue eyes and the other is burnt orange, right, with brown eyes. The differences are like, okay, like the differences are getting obvious. But I guarantee you that a snow leopard can still mate with an African leopard and they can still make babies. So as long as they can still make babies together, the different uh, differentiation has not gotten to the point where they can no longer mate successfully. Okay. These different groups would be in the process of speciation, but not yet different species. In biological terminology, these populations are considered to be quote, races, or quote, subspecies. Basically, subspecies within a species are geographically, morphologically, and genetically distinct populations, but still maintain the possibility of successful interbreeding. Snow leopard, African leopard. Perfect example. Biological races or subspecies are populations of a species that have genetic and morphological differences due to barriers to mating, distance, climate, environment, etc. Quote, little or no mating or genetic exchange between them as persisted for extremely long periods of time, thus giving the individuals within the population a common and separate evolutionary history. All right, so in order to be a race, Right? 
in order to be a separate race, you have to come to the point where you have a separate evolutionary history. Okay? Meaning that people in Africa have evolved differently. Like, like they're not even the same genetic structure anymore. They can still mate, right? But their evolutionary history is completely different. Okay? According to the University of Michigan anthropologist Milford Woolpuff, Woolpuff, race in biology is defined as a subspecies. Quote, a race is part of a species that lives in its own geographic area. A particular race has its own anatomy, its own morph morphology, and can integrate with other subspecies at the boundaries. There are no subspecies anymore. There may have been human subspecies in the past. That's something we can argue about. But we do not, but we do know there are no subspecies of humans today. Recent studies have shown us that humans have been migrating since Homo sapiens evolved over 200,000 years ago. This migration was not from point A to B, right? It wasn't just in a straight line from one point to another, and that's it. It was not so simple. Human migration was erratic, and it was based on changes in the environment. Our genes have been mixing since we have evolved, and our genetic structure is very complex. So, scientists have struggled to tell which genetic codes have been carried throughout human history. They can't tell. To be honest, we as humans are much more similar to each other as a group than we are within any arbitrary category that we make up. So we're much more similar as a huge group as humanity than, let's say, two African-American people are from Detroit. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, we're more genetically like Bob from, from Iowa. I'm more genetically similar probably to Bob in Iowa and Kathy in in Florida and Jesus in California than I am with Jerome from Philly. Does that make sense? I hope I'm, I hope I'm coming across and making sense. Let's talk about genes and DNA. Our views on genetics have changed a lot over the years. Many people still believe that genes or a series of genes directly determine some of our most complex behavior, behavioral and con, uh, cognitive characteristics. However, the reality is much more complicated. Research has shown that each gene is just a small part of a broader puzzle, and that's made up of the interaction with other genes, proteins, hormones, food, and of course, you got to throw life experiences and learning from your environment in the mix. Genes interact on different levels of cognitive and behavioral functions. Each gene influences multiple layers of behaviors and many behaviors are affected by genes quote the assumption that a single gene is causative can lead to unwarranted conclusions and an overinterpretation of any genuine genetic link so what the author is trying to say is if you assume that one gene that is similar between let's say all African Americans have a similar gene if you conclude that there's one gene in the African-American genome that seems to be consistent and you just all of a sudden jump to conclusion and say, oh, this, is, this gene leads to this behavior, you're assuming, and that's dangerous because you're over-interpreting what that means. No single gene necessarily causes certain behaviors. 
It's a combination of all these factors, genes, diets, proteins, life uh, experiences, uh, environmental factors. Everything kind of plays into behavioral patterns, not just a single gene that three African-Americans share. That means, oh, they must all like to ride the bus. <laughs> no, you can't draw that conclusion from a single um, similarity. With the advances in molecular genetics, we now have the ability to examine populations of species and subspecies and to reconstruct their evolutionary histories objectively. The way to determine if human races are genetically different would be to examine the patterns of genetic diversity found within and among human populations, right? So take a whole bunch of people's uh, DNA and study their genes and then try to find patterns of difference, okay? And then what you would do is you would compare this diversity with other large mammals that have a similar wide geographic range, okay? We can then determine how, much, how many populations of a species differ from one another and how these differences came about, okay? Sussman explains that a common method used to quantify a group's genetic diversity is through examining molecular data. So they use statistics to measure genetic differences within and between populations of a single species. Make sense? Using this method, biologists have set a minimal threshold, so a like the lowest standard for genetic differentiation required to recognize a subspecies. All right, let me break this down. All right, so there's a method that biologists use and they use this method to determine subspecies within a general species. So let's take the human race. That's the species. In order to determine if people from India are a separate subspecies, people from Africa are another subspecies, and let's say people from South America are a third and separate subspecies, in order to determine those separations, you have to find a certain level of genetic diversification within all three. So Hispanic people can't, you know, if you're from South America, they all have this one gene, but that's but they don't have that gene in people from Africa. And the genes even more different in people from India. Okay, looks like there's some genetic diversity there. Then if you take another gene, you know, so there has to be enough difference in the genomes in order for biologists to substantiate the claim that each group is a different, quote, race, or i.e. subspecies, okay? So there has to be a lot of divergence between the genomes to create separate subspecies, all right? So there's a minimal threshold. So there's like, you don't ever take a drug test and they're like, you have to be below this number. That's the minimal threshold. Like, you can't be above this at all in order to, to pass your test. It's the opposite for genes. Like, this is the threshold, right? I'm just, I'm just drawing a line in the air. This is a threshold. And if the genetic diversity is above this threshold, that's a separate species. That's a separate subspecies or a separate race, okay? But we have not even gotten close to that threshold yet. Compared to other large mammals that also have wide ranges of distribution, humans don't come close to meeting this minimum threshold. Quote, in fact, even though humans have the widest dis distribution, the measure of human diversity 
based on 16 populations from Europe, Africa, Asia, the Americas, and the Australian Pacific region falls well below the threshold used to recognize races for other species and is among the lowest value known for large mammalian species. This is true even if we compare humans to chimps. So we are actually almost as similar to chimps as we are to each other, and there's almost no diversity in our genome. Well, at least not enough to make us a different subspecies. So although myself and that Indian gentleman that I met earlier in the podcast, although we have similar skin and our genes are different, they're not different enough to make him a whole different race than me, biologically. Although we are different, we're going to be different, right? We're going to look a little bit different. There's going to be some differences there. And our skin color was transmitted differently depending on our environments. Still, despite this fact, we are still so genetically close that we cannot with any certainty, actually not even with any certainty at all, with, with, with any fact, say that he is a separate race than me. I explained that a hundred times. I'm going to keep explaining it. Using molecular markers, anthropologists have shown that the degree of isolation required for the formation of human biological subspecies, it never occurred during the entire 200,000 years of modern human evolution. From about 1 million years ago, excuse me, to tens of thousands of years ago, human evolution has had only two consistent trends. One, constant population movement and range of expansion. Two, restrictions on mating between individuals only because of distance. That is the only kind of consistency there's been in over 200,000 years. There is no evidence of any fixed long-term isolation events among human populations except for the case of the Aborigines of Australia. They have been pretty much isolated in, Austra in Australia because of the ge uh, geography of Australia as its own continent. But other than that, the other human populations have mixed and matched and mated and roamed and migrated all over the place, spread their DNA everywhere. For the most part, human interaction has been marked by interconnected mating and thus genetic mixing. Alan Templeton a world-renowned renowned expert in genetics and microevolutionary theory, he sums up the lack of human races as this, quote, because of the extensive evidence for genetic interchange through population movements and recurrent gene flow going back at least hundreds of thousands of years ago, there's only one evolutionary lineage of humanity and there are no subspecies or races. Human evolution and population structure has been and is characterized by many locally differentiated populations coexisting at any given time, but with sufficient contact to make all of humanity a single lineage sharing a common long-term evolutionary fate. That was complex. I tried to read it as slow as possible. Basically what it's saying is, Human evolution has not created subspecies. There have been a lot of different locally differentiated populations that might have coexisted 
but th- their differences were not enough genetically to make them a different race. So, yes, they're Chinese people. Yes, there's African people. Yes, there's Russians. Yes, there's Argentinians. Yes, there's Native Americans, etc., etc. Yes, they're very, very different looking. And they have different behaviors. But that's it. Genetically, the changes, the differences are not drastic enough to make a Chinese person a different race biologically as a Spanish person. Okay? We can conclude from the data that biological races do not exist among modern humans today, and they have never existed in the past. If the scientific data does not support the biological existence of race, then why do so many people believe that they do? Why do so many people believe that race is real? Just because race doesn't exist in nature does not mean that race and racism don't exist in reality. Just because there is no such thing as scientific races does not mean that race isn't real. I just want to put that out there. Like, I'm not saying in this podcast that there's no such thing as races. No, because I said early on in the podcast, we have created it. It is in reality. If we created it, then it's real. Scientifically, there is no such thing as human subspecies. But since we created this problem for ourselves, since we decided to categorize each other early on in human history, now we have to deal with the consequences. So we have to address these issues. Race is a way to separate people. This is my conclusion. It is a way to justify and support power structures, power structures that favor one group over the other. And in the next few podcasts, we are going to disassemble race as a social and cultural construct. We're going to disassemble it and we're going to put it back together. I hope this was a clear enough as I could get. This was about as untechnical and about as simple as I can make this science because it was pretty complex. I broke it down as simply as I could. I hope you guys got something from it. If you could take one thing from this podcast, take this. Okay. What I'm saying is that biologically we are the same. We might have different skin colors and we might have different proteins and, you know, various, you know, small differences or even big differences in our genetic code, but the differences are not enough to make us separate from each other. The human species is one of the only species that doesn't have a subspecies under it. And that's because we are genetically probably the most tightly knit group in all of nature. And that means that all of our divisions, all of our conflicts, all of our racism and and sexism and classism, all that is man-made. We created that hatred amongst ourselves. Nature didn't. I hope you guys learned something today. God bless y'all. You guys have a great rest of the evening. I love you. Thank Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe. Turn on your post notifications. Write a review. Ape out. Yeah, nice and smooth. Premiumbeat.com. Yeah, yeah. I could be a DJ, I think. Don't forget, guys. 
put God and your family first. Stay positive. Keep working hard. Don't let anyone tell you you can't achieve your dreams. You can't get after what you want. All right. Keep open-minded. All right. Keep open-minded and keep reading, building that knowledge, growing that brain power. Ape out again for the last time. We're out, y'all. Peace.